Welcome to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. Happy New Year to you. As like most people, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. This week has been particularly rough in terms of loss in the barbecue community. We lost my friend Chris Muma this week. Jeff Cole also passed away this week. And then Mike Mills, barbecue legend and mentor to this week's guest. Our thoughts and prayers go out to their families during these terrible circumstances. It's been a really rough time on the barbecue family. This week, we have Steve Hayden on the podcast from One Two Barbecue. Steve is one of the best guys on the circuit and has a lot of great ideas about barbecue and how it should move forward. Steve also talks extensively about his relationship with Mike Mills, his importance to him not only personally, but to barbecue as a whole. I think you'll like this episode, and we'll get a bunch of great information out of it. Please join me in welcoming Steve Hayden. Well, I'm here with my good friend, Steve Hayden from One Two Barbecue. How you doing, buddy? What's going on, Luke? Good to see you again. Good to see you too. I I really admire that big building that you built. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got to use it a little bit last weekend. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a class, but I, I'd call it trainings that we've got it down to now. Kind of okay. stick a person in each corner of the room and tell them not to breathe on me and whatnot. <laughs> yeah we've taught a couple classes ourselves in uh, the backyard type of stuff and you know trying to keep everybody safe and away from each other it's challenging but it can be done yeah yeah we, it went real well for us but we, we only had you know three four people in there and like I said put somebody in each corner and everybody was respectful about it right right was it a competition class yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a few Illinois guys and an Indiana guy come over, and uh, I had full classes, and then I cut them down, and and then I cut them down again. Then after Thanksgiving, we we did lose some because yeah. they were exposed over Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Same here. It's, a lot of people just need to stay home and stop licking doorknobs, and everything will be good. <laughs> I didn't see anybody do that. <laughs> That's good. Well, speaking of classes, would you say that classes have been one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've made in competition barbecue? Yeah, before I, you know, personally for me, before I ever started, and I'm glad you brought that up because I don't, <clears throat> I don't think the guy gets enough credit, either of the guys. You know, before I ever cooked the KCBS contest, I took uh, Ron Gray's class and Johnny Triggs class. Mm-hmm. And, and I always tell every class I had, I've probably brought it up that, because there's a lot of people, young people that don't under, we, we don't do a good job with our history. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we do a terrible job of it. I'll give you one example of that. And then we'll get back to class. You know, I, and I'm not bagging on this kid. There was a kid who was in the class recently and he was from Illinois and he, he he had no clue who Mike was to me. Was wow. That's not, that's not his fault. That's our fault. Yeah. You know, there should be a page dedicated to people within the KCBS. So yeah, going back to the classes to take, you know, Rod and Johnny, they had the when Rod was on the pellets, they had the 
old school, new school class. So this has been 2007 or 2008. And that was huge. Because coming into that, I would have, I would have never understood most of what we were doing and most, most of what made you successful. And, and you know, and, and Rod, especially how creative he was in that it's, it's almost like a, like a family tree or whatever. He's at the top and any other classes I've taken throughout the years and even still part of mine, 13, 14 years later, there's Rod and Johnny sprinkled in. Mm-hmm. I think some of the younger guys don't understand, you know, Rod's not as involved in it anymore, but, the guy should get a little bit more credit than he does. You know, Johnny's been on TV, so he gets he gets that credit. But and at the same time, those classes are probably got us in some of the judging predicaments that we're in because it's so dominant and it's so widespread that it, you know, you take a guy like Mike Wozniak, who's, if you ever got to be around him and he actually let you in on anything, now, not everything he did worked. He's the most innovative cook I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. And he did crazy stuff, you know. He had a bandsaw on his trailer, you know, <laughs> to cut, cut ribs into riblets. You know, no, nobody did that kind of stuff. I, I think barbecue got to the point where if you were different, it was bad. You yeah. know, if it wasn't in that, Rod Gray or Johnny or Corn Fed came and the rest of them came. So it's weird because it's, it's so important and it's one of the best things you can do at the same time, it has definitely had an effect on competition barbecue. And you think that the, that has been more of a, a driver in terms of teams not being able to separate as much in terms yeah. of judging? Yeah. I, I think, you know, because I, you know, I, I don't want to keep talking about Mike, but... No, no, it's fine. He, he wasn't a guy that seemed to ever conform. I mean, he, he told me one time he was cooking in paper grocery bags on his pit. And I said, BS, we're at home. He goes, come look. And all of his food and grocery sacks, paper grocery sacks on his pit, you know, and, you know, we all seen different crazy things he did. And, you know, his success started going down probably about the time that we all started learning from Rod or Johnny or, you know, after that it was the, all the Iowa boys or, you know, mm-hmm. so I think, and don't you ever see that in some of your scores now where, you, you know, you have a piece of meat that it's so good or say brisket, whenever I have a really marble brisket and I nail that thing, it kind of seems like it doesn't do as well. And, I, and I've seen that, I've seen that this year. I've, I've had people's briskets where they're just amazing, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. they'll get trashed and I don't remember his name but we had a table captain judge it was in one of our classes last fall I think and that day I, I cooked two briskets and one was just you know one of them ones you want and the other was you know your regular wagyu and, and I just nailed the cook on the good one you know never even put a thermometer in until it was done and it was perfect, and it was one of them where your blade goes down through it when you're cutting it, and you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's got the jiggle when you're cutting it. And I even told the class, I'm like, you know, you're lucky. We got this brisket today, and I cooked it perfect. And 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 there were some people there like, well, it's different, so I don't know if I like it. And then he stuck around after the class. I said, so tell me about those briskets. He goes, that one you loved. He goes, 
I didn't like it. And he goes, I know most of the judges I judge with would not like it. And I'm like, why? He goes, that's because that's what, not what everything else tastes like. And I'm like, well, there, there, there's the separation. There's, there's part of the problem. When they don't see the pre-product like we do, the raw meat, mm-hmm. you know, it's like if you, if you go to a nice steakhouse, you see what they got and you have expectations. Well, they're not seeing that and they're not expecting all that richness. I think sometimes, you know, a great piece of meat like that gets you in trouble. I agree. But I, but going back to the classes, you know, I've, I've spoke a lot because everybody sits around and everybody wants to talk about the judging afterwards. And especially teams that had success, not even five, six years ago, you know, we're winning every other week and stuff like that. And they're like, I don't know what's changed. And I'm like, well, every team out here has had at least one class, maybe two, probably three. The, the, the bell curve is tightened, you know, in terms of what we're all cooking. And I think I, you know, I agree with you. We're all cooking a lot of the same stuff and putting it out there. One of the things that I've always wanted to do is to go cook a contest and just do a bunch of that off the wall shit stuff that they never see turn in uh, pork with a mustard sauce, stuff like that. I want to cook baby backs. Yeah. I want to try it out. And I, I might just throw that in at some point this year, you know, just to, cause we did that in the beginning, you know, in the beginning for me was 2009 was my first year. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we would, we throw them baby backs in there every once in a while. Like if we went to Southern Illinois or something and, and you'd score with them, but I think you get to the point where you don't want it to cost you a GC. That stupid desire going to cost me a couple thousand bucks. And the, well, and everything that's tied in with that as well, like, you know, going to the Jack, going to the Royal and things like that. You know, there's so much emphasis put on those type of things that it's not worth being creative sometimes. I think that, you know, I tell people all the time, if you want to get better, take a class. I took your class, your portion of it was some of the best teaching I've ever been a part of. And, I, you know, I, I, I do a lot of that stuff. What, outside of a class, what were some of the best decisions that you made when you first started uh, competing? Well, I mean, the class would be the obvious answer, but when we first started, there was a, you know, it's kind of a Jambo can world now. Back then it was, it was anything you could get your hands on. Yeah. So, I mean, the best investment or decision I made was basically after that first year, we cooked on an uninsulated barrel, and we didn't even run wood in it. We were just running Kingsford in it with some chunks on it, which never went to bed. And so back we went to Backwoods because that was, that was the hot cooker back then. Mm-hmm. And that was, but it was the insulated cooker. So upgrading cooker, I would say, was a huge difference because it, it, at that point in time, it brought in sleep. It was a better cook. Even somebody starting now, you have a pretty good idea. If you if you can't afford a Jambo or an Outlaw, you can go the can route, and you know it's going to be an upgrade if you're cooking on a, something that you were using at home. So yeah, that would be my recommendation to get the best cooker you can for what your budget is if you're cooking on a char griller or kingsford or Mm -hmm. uninsulated something where you're not getting sleep and you're not really enjoying the process yeah 
people ask me how many cookers I've been through and I tell them, I'm like, you don't even want to know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm glad to finally settle in on one for a long time and get that consistency going. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think that's the key towards success in this game is consistency. So you, I've cooked next to you a couple of times and I know that you are probably the least gadgety guy out there cooking. You are, a, <laughs> you are a, a wooden meat and, and just get it going kind of guy. If you had to tell me though, what is a purchase of a hundred dollars or less that has most positively impacted your barbecue life other than a thermopen, what would it be? Char logs. Char logs. Yeah. And, and I didn't even, I didn't even, I saw people with them. Gray Street had a bag of them. And after we did the class last fall, they were, they were kind of hanging it up and they had a full bag of them. I was like, can I have that? You know, and, and they gave them to me and boy, for Jambo, I, I, build, I build a big fire. I mean, I run a really big fire. I'm always, you know, in case I get distracted, or something. I always want to make sure my bed of coals is going to carry my heat yeah. until I remember I something on there. And then uh, those B&B, I think they're B&B charlotte. Now, I can't find them anymore, but that whole bag lasted me this year, and it is awesome just to grab one of them logs about every third or fourth time I put in a stick and just yeah. kind of put it in there and you know help maintain that base. I, I love those things. Yeah, yeah. I haven't I think I had a bag of them when they first come out, but I haven't seen them in a long time. I know there's some other things you can get on Amazon, but but they're quite expensive. I mean, they're, they're, I'm not going to overpay for them, but if I can find a bag of them D&Ds again, I, that, that, that does help for sure. Yeah. So when you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the first person that comes to mind for you? Aaron. I mean, I know, I know that's probably everybody's answer, but I've been sitting there when he's won a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it. And, and just where he's taken barbecue off, you know, outside of competition. Uh, and Tim, Tim and Brad, I mean, they, they'd be the other ones, you know. Uh, yeah. It's just, a, it's just a constant for, for all of those guys, but, but, but Darren's been amazing. Even last month over in uh, Kansas, wherever we were, you know, he, if I remember right, he pulled out RGC. Yeah. But I want to go back to something you said earlier in terms of, you know, how it's kind of our fault that we're not, I mean, there's a lot of different roads you can go with this question in terms of who's successful, who do you think is in, in terms of successful and, you mentioned, you know, honoring our past and making sure that people know who those those people are. What what do you think we should do in terms of solving that equation? It was kind of a hot spot for me just in the last few days of you know, after that example from the weekend. I don't it doesn't need to be something that's monetary. It's obviously not gonna be a physical place. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's come up in KCBS. I'm sure it's come up in a meeting and maybe that's something that they're planning. I mean, they, they got a new, a lot of new stuff going, but you know, 
it drives me nuts the, the little amount of credit that Bill Arnold gets. I hate it. You know, I agree too. I don't want to call anybody a joke, but <laughs> Guy Fieri's walking around with Ian and Barkley Hall of Fame, Bill Arnold's not. And I, I can't ever get past that. I agree with you that Bill Arnold, the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame is probably, I mean, that's that's kind of delegitimized it to me. It has. It has. And the guy has been part of, of every world championship. Maybe, now, I don't know what they do in Houston. I'm not speaking on behalf of them. I'm speaking on Jack. I'm speaking on King of the Smoker. I'm speaking on the American Royal, the guys have been part of every world championship for years. Yeah. Whether he won it or not, I mean, his product was a big part of it. So KCBS, I mean, we we can't control the American Royal. But KCBS can control their own. And I I just don't see, you know, when you started barbecue, I know when I started, I was digging just to find out who the good people were just combing through MySpace or whatever it was back then. <laughs> I wanted to know that, you know. I wanted to know who's going to be kicking my butt all the time. Right. There's teams starting right now that don't know recent teams. They probably never heard of True Bud. You know, they don't know Tippy Canoe and Big T's. And those are just teams that deserve to be in a barbecue Hall of Fame, you know, competition teams, maybe not industry-wise, maybe – maybe not for other parts of the barbecue world, but the competition world, they do. How hard is it to add a page to your existing web page to recognize these people, to give new teams an identity of the history, if we want to call it a sport? It doesn't have, you know, KCBS, teams get excited over getting a 180 pin, Mm-hmm. Or a 700 club sticker. What do them cost? Seven cents from China? It's not like we got to give a big award. Right. It's just a recognition and a little bit of respect. I, I don't, I, I just can't understand why. And I know then we'll get into a committee and the committee things are always controversial, but it's not too hard to put some standards on what you may have to achieve. Right. Maybe you don't need a world championship. Maybe does 50 combined championships get you in? Does 100 combined championships multiply? Whatever it is, that all can be figured out. But let's start recognizing our history a little bit. I agree. And I think that's probably got to come from from us as the pitmasters, you know, kind of honoring our own and honoring – where we came from. I mean, part of the joy of being involved with the barbecue league and uh, getting to meet all of you guys and is digesting that history, especially from, you know, I didn't start until 2012. So getting to know where all of this stuff came from, I think that there should be a better record of it. It kind of hit for me, you know, I set these goals and it's a goal of mine to, get a hundred combined GCs and our, and our GCs combined. Yeah. And then I started thinking five years after I'm done, nobody will even know I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
why does that number matter to me if it doesn't matter for anything? No, that makes sense. The team that started this year realized that TP Canoe won the American Royal and then seven days later went out and won Sands Club National Championship. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Nobody knows it. We do, but <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people that's just forgotten. I mean, you ever hear any young teams talk about Scott Nelson? That guy could come out and kick all our butts right now after not cooking for, what, years? Mm-hmm. Or munching hogs at the hill. I mean, you could pick a bunch of them. There's, there's no, there's nowhere to see what these guys, what these guys did in the past. Well, maybe that's something that we can actually, you know, if if KCBS keeps evolving, maybe that's something that we can get done through them. That would be great to see. I just don't see it. You know, if they're going to say funds, well, have a comp. It's got a low payout. You know, see if you can get 50 teams to it. Use the proceeds from that comp to to, to, to uh, provide that part of the website. Or if you want to give little trophies or whatever it is, a pin. Right. Things like it could be done. Yeah, I agree. We get excited about stickers and pins. And like I said, <laughs> don't, it don't cost nothing. Right. My favorite trophies are American Royal Ribbons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got them hanging up, you know. I just like it. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit. Let's switch gears here a little bit in terms of uh, your confidence. One of my favorite times was cooking next to you at the Barbecue League event. I believe we were – was that in the parking lot of the of – the, the, the bar. The Patrick Swayze bar where yeah. Roadhouse <laughs> down in Brad country. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I wasn't shocked, but I was, I was really taken with the amount of confidence that you have when you're around that cooker. Where does that confidence confidence come from? Well, it, Probably just cooking so many times on that thing that I don't think anymore. I do have a lot of people that say that, that cook next to me of, you don't get excited about anything. (laughs) Never in a panic. And it's just being in that situation before so many times where it did. And I think a little bit of success helps with that. You know, it's, I talk about, I talked about in the class this weekend. I mean, it, it really all comes down to consistency. Yep. Doing the same thing, trimming it the same way, putting the same stuff on it at the same time, at the same temp. And that's one thing I always show in my class that people, they never believe is, I can tell you what temperature stuff's at without putting a thermal pan in it. And it, I mean, my you, you've taken it. You know, my, my money muscles, they're 211 degrees at 1025 every time on the dime. Yep. And my ribs at 11, at a <clears throat> 1125, they're, they're 209 on the dime every time. The only, the only in the chicken, it's just shows by time. I don't even ever temp it, but my only variable is my brisket. And it's never off by more than 15 minutes. Yeah. And I, I think it's just the system. Once you get it down to where you don't have to think and you can almost go through the motions, you know that your product's going to be the same and it's, it's not on you. It's on the judges to decide whether it's good or not. I mean, 
you can only do what, what you do. But yeah, it's it's definitely the, the system or the program. Or... Yeah, I was pretty amazed in in your class when you were like, I can tell you right now that, that money muscles two two ten two eleven, and you'd stick a probe in it, and I was like, man, this guy is like pork Yoda. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Pork Yoda. Pork Yoda. Yeah. How has your career and life experiences outside of barbecue helped you to be a better pit master on the trail? I guess I'm cheating on the answer because the answer to that is barbecue. And it's, it's that as a long haired, no good at 21 years old or whatever, Mike Mills hired me. And some of what went on for that couple of years when I was in there, it, it didn't hit really until later in life, you know, because you're dumb when you're that age. <laughs> but just how, man, that guy's, you want to talk about calm through the processes and stuff, it's that guy. And yeah, just just looking at what he did and everything, I mean, what an effect that had on me. And then uh, I know I'm straying from the question, but. No, no, no. Just to, just to, when I started to go back to him and, and really start to get to know him starting in 2009. You know, I worked for him. I can't say I knew him. I just knew what he taught me and how he treated me. And you don't think about them things until you're older. And then like, man, that guy, he had no reason to treat me that well. Mm -hmm. and, uh, just small things, but, but it was, that was, that was my first real, experience with like real barbecue it's mm. sad to say but in central illinois everybody's a hog farmer but barbecues like you know ground beef with some malls on it or open pit and so <laughs> to go into you know his restaurant and, and uh, experience that food and learn how it's made and and then learn about the competition part of it you know my mike had a Still has, you know, I haven't, I haven't got to see him in a while because of all this, but look forward to seeing him every time, try to learn from something from him every time. But huge advantage. I, I don't even think I can tell you 100% without that experience 25 years ago, I wouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't have thought to come back to it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's great. We talk a lot yeah. about our successes. Barbecue people love to talk about what they've won and where they've been. And my favorite thing to talk about, though, on this podcast is failures. Do you have a, a failure that happened during a competition that you really learned from that sets you up for success later? During a comp or at awards? <laughs> Either or, <laughs> or both. I mean, if you... If you've been around and involved in Royal or King of the Smoker, I've, I've, I've had some of the biggest setbacks known, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, Brad had a similar one to 2017. I had first place in pork at Royal, fourth place in ribs. Knew I had a good chicken. But I knew I didn't, I, I knew my brisket stunk. And you know, it got all the way down. I was like, man, we're going to get like third, I think. 
We didn't get third. It's like, holy crap, we're going to get reserve. Then get reserve. And then by that time, I had, I don't know, 50, 60 people scooching in around me. Scott Key in my lap, jumping up and down. <laughs> you know, you won, you won, you won. And when they called Travis, I heard 5,000 people go, oh, or 3,000. I mean, what a horrible feeling. What a horrible feeling to go from, man, I'm going to win the American Royal to, man, I, I did blow it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, you know, prepared me a little later on, but it happened again five weeks later at, uh, at the King of the Smoker. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a couple real high calls and I got down and everybody thought I won and and uh, Blaine only had one call, and, and he got it. I, and, I, and I knew in the back of my head that my other stuff wasn't that good. And I mean, those were two big blows. You know, how, you know how many people want to get that American Royal Trophy? I mean, not a lot of people have one. And, and that's always been my goal, to, to win the Royal. But I always wanted that American Royal Trophy. And I got it. And... You know, yeah, when I didn't win, it was depressing, and we kind of stuck around, and and we were walking back to the trailer, and I didn't get one congratulations on the way back to the trailer. I got, like, 50, sorry, man, sorry. <laughs> sorry. You know, it was like, these were from people that weren't holding the trophy, weren't holding the check, and, you know, that was a horrible feeling, and, and I think maybe that helps me now because – you know, part of that calmness and stuff now, it's like, man, what's going to happen? I've already been embarrassed in front of thousands of people. I mean, I wouldn't say that. That's still your your pork success at the American Royal is pretty much unrivaled. I mean, it is it's something that I, I get that. It, it's more of a moment. Yeah. You know, where nothing was taken away from me because I, I never had it. it. It's just that feeling and, you yeah. You know, that feeling of uh, luckily in 2018, I was finally able to finish in the top two. You know, I lost, <laughs> lost uh, by a point zero zero zero, whatever. But you know, I'll take that reserve. There's, there's nothing shameful about that. <laughs> Let's get a little bit more uplifting here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> reliving that all the time. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> I'm not going to get some Xanax. I'll be right back. <laughs> so in terms of one of the things, though, that I know, I know you're not a gadget guy, but I know that you are a superstitious guy and that you have a lot of habits and rituals and routines that you do. And yeah. So let's talk about some of that. Well, I have my stuff for my daughters, mm-hmm. and that's you know, not so much a ritual from them, but more of a good luck thing. I have a, you know, I, I can get negative. And, you know, Nola knows that. And so she she has a jar for me that she fills full of inspirational notes. <laughs> and so I, I have my good luck jar. And, you know, usually sometime Saturday morning, I'll, I'll pull a couple of those. And, you know, those keep me hanging in there. And, and music. Yeah. And, Music's a 
not every time, but I'd say 90% of the time, you know, the music starts before five o'clock. And I'm not a real loud guy. It gets loud in the trailer, but it just that music, you know, it, it's definitely part of it. What kind of music? I think you know, it's a lot of people know I like metal, but our, our household's a big music household, and there's a lot of stuff played here. I like a lot of it, and so in the the coffee music is usually something like Tyler Childers, mm -hmm. the Wood Brothers, Americana stuff, or you know, and it it, it kind of goes up as the day goes, you know, might get into some grunge or some muddy waters and lightning Hopkins some days, a blues or might go into the Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. It, it might go into Slayer and Metallica. It might go into Campbell Corpse and Morbid Angel. But <laughs> last few years, I've been real heavy on, heavy on desert rock. That's, that's kind of been one of my favorites for a long time. Bands like uh, Caius and Clutch and, uh, Heavy Eyes and Elephant Tree and a lot of other bands that most people haven't heard of. I, I share the same. We share a lot of the same musical passions. Since you're here, I got to throw in about three or four times a year. I'll have one morning where really throw people off where it's all <laughs> Cypress Hill, Beastie Boys and NWA. Absolutely. <laughs> people are like, what the hell? <laughs> I dig it. I generally reserve those. That's like I'm always playing a mix of things kim and i have lists of for each meet now during turn-ins um but i'll also if i if it depends on where i am geographically sometimes i'll just want to turn the knife a little bit <laughs> yeah 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 if i'm I, I do find that too if like if i'm down in tennessee it, it'll get a little bit more country you know be a lot of hank three or shooter jennings stuff like that yeah and music has just become such a big part of our cook. If I don't hear Stevie Ray Vaughan during brisket, then I'm not right. <laughs> I mean, I'm the only idiot that yelled Metallica on the stage at the American Royal when they won. Could have said anything, and I thanked Metallica, you know. So, <laughs> tell you what, I did that because I was like, everybody will remember that. Now the problem is, everybody remembers. <laughs> We can't keep going back to it, Steve. I know. I know. <laughs> Got to let it go. <laughs> so let's talk about your week before competition. Do you do the same thing every week? When yeah. you get same thing? I spread it out, you know, with the kids and everything else going on. So say I did a comp on Saturday, Sundays, clean the pit clean the trailer, repack the trailer, mm -hmm. Monday, sauce and rubs, Tuesday, I trim bigs, Wednesday, I trim smalls, and Thursdays, pack the trailer and leave, or pack the trailer and get ready to leave Friday morning, and it's whatever your life is between your job or your kids or whatever, you just got to make it work, and you got to make it to where you're still enjoying your home life and going to the softball games or yeah recitals or whatever being being part of the family so there's stuff going on i'll do it at night but late after they're done doing whatever they do and uh, but spreading it out and doing something a little bit each day it's doable yeah yeah and it's pretty consistent week in week out always yeah 
everything's everything's about doing everything the same always i think that's the number one thing that people need to learn that want to get better is that you have to have a consistent process starting the day before the week starts all the way through cleaning up it's got to be the same and it seems like it's those little changes that you do every once in a while to get you yeah absolutely do you ever engage in psychological warfare with people you're a pretty quiet guy when the cook's going on no there's there there has been but all the guys that i came up with are gone that was the shit talkers the gilly joe stout and uh gary duncan Mm -hmm. that was that was my three guys and we did a little shit talking and stuff for i think the thing that you can get people on is like my first five years uh, i'll go back to them again man when you see mike wozniak pull in you weren't even playing for GC anymore. You know, the best you could do is RGC, and that's the best feel. I mean, <laughs> it, you can pull in and people go, "Ah, oh, man." I mean, that's the ultimate. And, and I've heard that from a few people before, and I, that's the highest compliment you can get if you can ruin somebody's day by just showing up. <laughs> See, I think you're more sneaky than that because I thought you were. <laughs> I thought you were gaming me the whole time because I was like, "Man, this because I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to get a fire going and worrying about the wind and all that stuff." And you're just like, "What is? What are you doing?" No, <laughs> <laughs> well, just I'm an observer, I guess. You know, a little bit of an introvert, so I just kind of keep to myself and. <laughs> Observe. I, I learned a lot that day just by watching what being calm can do for your cook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. That's right. Well, Steve, we're into my favorite part here of the interview, and that's where we get into the rapid fire questions. What is one of your favorite pre, during, or post competition meals? Afterwards, it'd be ice cream for sure. If you're driving home, you go through those small towns and you see some little dairy barn, you know it's going to be good in a small, like, farm town or something. Yeah. That's a for sure. And then, uh, if you're lucky enough, and Lucky's Q's there, man, oh. you can't beat one of them pumpkin bars about 9 o'clock in the morning. Can't I, beat it. You can't. I agree. <laughs> I agree. We're if she gave me seven of them, I would, I mean, you seen that little baby Yoda eat them eggs on that show? <laughs> That's how I would be with them things, man. Just one after another down the hatch. I remember the first time I had one. I was like, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> That's the correct response. <laughs> and I don't even like pumpkin. And I was like, oh, my. This is this is something good. So what do you see on uh, about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? Probably a few things. <laughs> I don't mean to swear, but it bothers the shit out of me when I see people squeezing their meat to prove that it's juicy. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Stop it. Number two is, man, I, I sure do respect the guys that have things out there to make new teams better. 
but when you have just a bunch of new teams answering the question and spreading so much misinformation, it's just like, man, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do what that guy's saying. You know, there's a lot of that. And, and, and sometimes I'll jump in and say, Hey man, you shouldn't do that. You know, here's, here's what you need to do. You do it privately or you do it out in the open? I'll message them or sometimes I'll do it out in the open. Yeah. I, I generally, I'll send a message. It'd be like that. Uh, you got somebody trying to get better and then they're just getting worse information. It's, you know, if we, if we don't, you don't want to get beat by the people, but at the same time, if, you know, people quit, if, if they, if they don't, don't start getting calls or getting better, you just, we don't, we don't have anybody to compete against. So. Right. Got to help. Got to help here. And there. What's uh, your favorite present that you like to give to people? That, <laughs> I, I knew that question was coming and I just, I struggle with it. Because <laughs> n- nobody wants anything musically from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could skip it. There's there's tougher ones to get to. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that one's, you know, being an introvert, I'm not Santa Claus out there. <laughs> well, I'll yeah. Yeah. I can answer. I get to know you. I get to know you. I'll give you the shirt off my back. But yeah, I'd be lying if I said I was out there spreading joy and delivering presents all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, getting the message out to a bunch of people, what would it say and why? I don't live by a lot of mottos, but growing up, there was two. Growing up, there was one, and then when I got into college, there was another thing. One of my college buddies from down south told me one time, and and they both are relevant, you know. And I'll go with the one. I'll, I'll tell you both. Okay. My college buddy, he said, and I don't even remember what we were talking about, but he told me he goes, "Man, never pet a burning dog." <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> And we just laughed. He's like, no, seriously, that's a saying down here. He goes, never pet a burning dog. And, you know, and, and it means a lot of things, you know, and it applies to a lot of things. So that's one I've always kind of kept. And then uh, there was a, there was another one, buddy of mine that I grew up with. He used to say all the time, and it's kind of relevant now because, you know, all the bitching and complaining that goes on. Oh, even in barbecue or just online social media <laughs> in general, but uh, and I don't break this one out too often, but it's uh, if your aunt had nuts, she'd be your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I love those two, and, and that applies to so many things about people just bitching, you know. <laughs> so Throw one of them up, whichever one you want. <laughs> oh, I'm putting them both up. They're both amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? I like death metal. That's pretty absurd. Eh. For a guy who's got two cute little girls. Nah. And I'll tell you, I, I asked this question to Donnie Teal recently, and no one will give an answer quite like his. <laughs> I, I, it, his episode will be it'll be out there before yours 
and it's just I'd never heard of a Tijuana mama before, but <laughs> just, it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. I hate that being the final question, but well, I can ask I'm you. Pretty, I'm pretty boring nowadays. Oh uh, no, you're not. I'll ask you another. I can ask you another question, so that's not the the last one. All right, let's let's do one more. Throw me a softball. Okay. So uh, one of the things that we all have are gut feelings when we're cooking. How do you relate to those gut feelings when when your gut's telling you to do something that doesn't necessarily jive with your timeline? I go for it usually. Yeah. Brisket for sure. I push brisket hard. I don't. I don't generally even. If it says two twelve, it, it does not bother me one bit. I, I keep pushing it, I, <clears throat> and it's it's that's a hard one to teach. But yeah, you got you got to factor in time, temp, time and temp, and and what kind of brush you got. And I, I've pushed them all the way. I've been into two thirteens before without even taking a look at it. I'll have a pro, you know, chef made or whatever in it, but yeah, you never know until you physically push something into it. But I go with my gut a lot on brisket. Well, that's a good, that's a boring, that's good. A boring way to end it, Luke. No, it ain't. <laughs> I think it's a great way to end it. When it's time for the gut feelings, you got to go for it. My gut's telling me I better go make dinner for the girls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thank you very much for uh, spending time with with me. And uh, this was a great episode. I really enjoyed recording with you. Hey, thanks for having me, Luke. And hopefully I'll get out there east like I was supposed to this year. I hope so. I hope so. I ain't ain't coming to Virginia, though. I don't blame you. (laughs) I think I'm having a bride and Chris. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, wow, is it always like this? I was like, yeah. (laughs) It is. Yeah. (laughs) right on man i'll talk to you soon okay bud thank you for listening to pitmaster an old virginia smoke podcast be sure to subscribe and like the podcast to rate the podcast and to share it out with your friends also be sure to check out the old virginia smoke youtube channel as well we'll have another episode for you next week featuring jerry stevenson with redneck scientific a lot of great stories and great tips in this next episode For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020. Oh,